I remember just sitting at my dining room table thinking, what now and how did it come to this? That's Liz Alterman. Back in 2013, she and her husband were enjoying solid jobs in their respective careers. And then, just like that, they were both laid off at the same time. With three young children, a mortgage, and a bleak job market staring them in the face, Liz made a bold choice to pursue her true passion. If I knew what I know now, I would have said, there's never gonna be a better time, so just start today. On this episode, Liz takes us through her reinvention, from the layoff gut punches to the terrible jobs in between, to the honest, hilarious memoir that came out of it all, setting her on the path to becoming the successful novelist she is today. Welcome to The Breakout, a show about smashing through life's little boxes and forging your own path. I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. And I'm Kelly Gunther. Carrie and I are people and change experts and best friends. We've spent more than 25 years helping organizations navigate change and get the best out of their people. Come on, we know change is hard, but staying the same can even be harder. On The Breakout, we prove that you can escape expectations, and best of all, we show you how. Thank you so much, Liz, for being on our podcast. I'm so excited you're here. So first, let's start with you. What did you break out of? I broke out of the mindset that you need to wait for the right time in your life to pursue your dream. I... Love that. Because how many of us say, well, in five years, that's the five-year plan, or it's in two years, or I'll wait until I pay off this debt, or I'll wait until I get married, or I wait until I'm not married, or I wait, wait, wait. So you wrote Sad Sacked, which is a memoir that you describe as a funny book about a very unfunny situation. So why don't you take us through that real life story, starting with what your life looked like ahead of the things that changed drastically for you and your husband Sure. Well, I guess we were living a fairly basic life. My husband had been in the same job for 18 years. We have three children, and I had been working as an editor for an online news site here, and it was it was a pretty nice gig. I was enjoying it. I had always uh, worked as a writer and a journalist, and so I felt like I had finally found something that was working well for my family and my schedule. And then all of a sudden, right before Thanksgiving, my husband called and he said, I have good news and I have bad news. And the bad news is that I've just been laid off and I'm on my way home. But the good news is I've been given a severance package and we'll have benefits for the next few months. And so right away, you know, I almost dropped the phone because unfortunately there had been some layoffs at my job and I wasn't 100% convinced that as much as I liked my career and I I felt like I was doing a good job and um, making progress, increasing traffic on the site, I didn't really know if I was going to be in my position for too much longer. And, you know, it was quite a shock, especially at the time, I thought my biggest stressor was going to be preparing for Thanksgiving. (laughs) And next thing, I have an unemployed husband, and we're wandering through Costco, and I'm kind of saying, you know, all right, put that back. Maybe we don't need, you know, two dozen eggs right now. And then fast forward six weeks, and I was laid off in 
I guess you would call it just a massive downsizing of 250 people who were let go on a conference call. So that was it. And I remember just sitting at my dining room table thinking, what now? And how did it come to this? How are we both you know, professionals with good experience, and we're both out of work at the same time. Kelly and I being in HR, we're already, I could see it in Kelly's face. I know I can feel the the conference call of 250 people getting laid off. We're like, stop it. It was almost like a reality show where we were, I guess we were on one call in the morning and you were told you were going to be getting an email. And when you open that email, it would have a dial-in number. And Mm -hmm. once you dialed in, you would learn if you were part of the Go Forward team or if you were eliminated. Oh my goodness. And all around the holidays too, Liz. So I'm so sorry about that. Exactly. And uh, my husband, he had a similar experience. He was let go in around a 50. So he was in an open newsroom and he said he would see somebody answer their phone, leave their desk, come back, cheery, start boxing things up and another phone would ring. And, you know, just watching them go. So it was, I felt like that, just the way we were let go was traumatic And then in the aftermath, as you try to figure out what you're going to do next, that's equally, you know, nerve wracking. Yeah. So take us past the holidays, past the initial shock of what are we going to do? What did you start to think about? Uh, You know, I was pretty anxious and I thought, okay, one of us has to get back to work quickly. We can't just coast for a while. My husband had been in his position for 18 years and he wasn't necessarily loving it, but his benefits were good. He, you know, he knew what he was doing. And I think it was, it was more a matter of being comfortable. So he sort of was taking this as a little detour, a break where he was just going to work on himself, maybe uh, get into fitness and catch up on shows he'd missed while when he was going to bed early to catch that <laughs> early train in the morning. And I was panicked thinking, okay, we just have to get back into the workforce. Right. I'm going to start sending out resumes like a mad woman. So I think what was adding friction at this time also was that we had two very different approaches to how we were going to treat our layoffs. And so that that was very stressful. And I was sending out these resumes and I just wasn't getting any traction. Um, you know, maybe I would make it through a couple interviews and then, uh, you know, I'd be told we're going ahead with more qualified candidates. Liz had luck landing a few gigs. One seemed promising until it wasn't. It seemed like it was going to be this wonderful parenting website where I would be writing about home and garden, food and parties. And it really was just kind of an ad farm, you know, write about reality TV and clickbait headlines. But I stayed with it because now it was the first thing that had come our way. I thought it was going to be this great, you know, wonderful new opportunity to uh, suddenly I'm crying in my laptop at the dining room table. Like, what have I done? (laughs) As an outlet, Liz had started writing a blog about the realities of job searching. I was joking that I would consider it almost like an online diary chronicling my descent into madness (laughs) in case things did not improve. I was getting 
emails from readers of this blog where I was chronicling the just the crazy things that were happening to us, you know, because we hadn't been applying for jobs, we had no idea that they were now asking, you know, what's your personal theme song in an application? Or, you know, (laughs) can you tell us how you'd elevate our brand in 160 characters or less? And so we just felt like digital dinosaurs, like how had the world evolved? And we've just been home watching every season of Lost, like not being able (laughs) to compete in this new world. And so I started writing and people would email me who had found the blog and say, I'm so glad to know I'm not alone. And I I know all the feelings that you're going through, the fear, the loss of dignity, the, you know, kind of that hit to the ego, Mm -hmm. the lack of self-worth. And what am I going to do next? I could totally relate to her, the craziness of needing to apply to a million different jobs and to do so like immediately. And I could actually visualize exactly what she would be going through and having just then lost her job at the holidays, the whole pattern, what it looked like, what it felt like, you know, the poor people getting the phone call, getting the box, crying. I mean, I could, you know, it's just horrifying. It's this constant state of fear and anxiety. What I appreciated about her is she has kind of this calmness and and more of a gentle way, and she's so resilient. And so she found ways to be upset, but then she put a time limit on it. And then she found an outlet because everyone has to find some outlet that works for them. And hers was writing and finding the humor in it and trying to help people. And so being outside yourself at times is so important. And so that was to me really impressive. Alongside her blog and online writing gigs, Liz was doing other freelance work. It was during one of those projects that something special clicked for her. I was writing about a woman who had founded a local writer school. And sort of as a throwaway question at the end of our interview, I said to her, what's your most popular course? And she said, memoir writing. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting. And she said, yeah, everybody really feels that they have a story to tell. So afterwards, I thought, you know, I had taken writing classes in the past. I was an English major in college, and writing has always been just a love of mine. But while I was working full time, I didn't have as much time to pursue the creative side of things. Plus, Working as a journalist, at the end of the day, I didn't necessarily want more words, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether they were creative or, or for fun or not. So I thought to myself, you know what, I'm kind of at a low point mentally, emotionally. Maybe I'm going to take a class through this school and maybe I should try the memoir workshop uh, since it's popular. And I started to think, what story do I have to tell? It had always been a goal of mine to try to write a book. And I thought, doing all of these freelance articles, I've never really pushed past 1,200, 2,000 words. This could be a real challenge, and God knows I have the time. (laughs) So I signed up for the course, and I thought, you know, what could I write about? And I thought, what about this crazy time? Somewhere between the indignities of job searching and the stress and awkwardness of double layoffs, Liz realized that what she actually had in front of her was a great story. I always joke, people will say, I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch. And here we are just (laughs) looking at each other all day long, um, really butting heads over the job search thing. 
So I thought, you know what, if I stepped outside of it, I could see the humor in it. As I was looking around also for jobs and for career advice, I was finding all of this advice, but nobody was talking about sort of the ugly side of unemployment, the kind of the stuff that wakes you up at two in the morning, makes you go downstairs and eat all the ice cream in your (laughs) fridge or the panic. Mm -hmm. And I felt like also when I told people that we were both out of work, that you would almost see them physically back up (gasps) as if we were contagious. Uh Like, right. Oh, (laughs) both of you. Oh, God, no. Yeah. So that was hard. And then another aspect I thought was so interesting is when I mentioned that my husband was out of work, it was almost like a record scratch. Like, oh, no, give me his resume. Let me see who I know. I'm going to help him. And when I would say it, they would say, oh, how nice. You more time with the kids. You finally you're going to get to spend more time. And I just thought, wow, this is really eye opening. And More than a little disheartening when it's, you know, you would think that we value women's contributions as much as men's in the workforce, but... You would think, Liz, you would think. You would hope. (laughs) You you would hope, but yes, it is shocking that record of people's expectations of, oh no, the male breadwinner, oh no, he doesn't have a job, but you, like, look at the bright side, sugar, you know, you get to spend time with your kids. And then people would say to me, like, how's he doing? It's such a hit to the male ego to lose a job. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was saying, you know, we're, we're doing equally poorly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> so. Thank you. It's a hit to my ego, too. As Liz started getting these stories down on paper, that memoir class pushed her forward. I really needed the class for accountability because I felt like on my own, I would, you know, justify like, well, I've got to go clean the the Nutribullet tonight from, right. <laughs> from all the smoothies. I can't write another chapter or, uh, you know, we've we've got this to worry about, that to worry about. So I really focused on knowing the class was coming. I had to get a chapter done each week and that, that kept me going. And then... I think one section ended, and so I signed up for another one. It was kind of funny because I would be writing about the crazy experiences that I was having. For example, with it being this parenting and home site, they were always trying to, like, everything was pumpkin spice. And so I would joke, I had these bosses, (laughs) these editors, all they wanted to write about was sex and pumpkin spice. And I would say, you know, if I'm not careful, they're going to have me putting together like a 25 page slideshow about how to incorporate pumpkin spice into your lovemaking. And it was just, and then they, they wanted all these sex essays. And meanwhile, my marriage is like tanking. And uh, so it was just kind of just trying to stay sane. I felt like the writing was really the thing that saved me. Oh my gosh. Well, maybe if you had more pumpkin spice in your sex life, that, <laughs> right. you know, then Things. I now exactly. am thinking I would totally click on that headline because that's so outrageous. <laughs> I'm like, I think you would have got me on that one, Liz. So Liz, what, what was the moment then that you just said, okay, forget this job. Like I am all in with writing these books that I want to do. Like when was that moment? When was that aha moment for you? I finished the memoir and then I was laid off from that job, actually. But I felt like because I had survived it once, I was able to kind of, you know, weather it a lot better this time around. And that's when I thought, because by that point, I had finished writing the memoir. I hadn't sold it, but I thought to myself, you know what? You did this once. You wrote something that was 90,000 words. You can do it again. And, uh, 
That's when I decided to write a young adult thriller. And it was a lot of fun. I had a little trouble, unfortunately, selling the memoir initially, because when my agent at the time and I were shopping it around, it was about 2018. And we kept hearing, nobody cares about unemployment. Everybody (laughs) who wants a job has a job. The economy is wonderful. And, you know, we would say it it was kind of the gig economy. If you want to cobble together four or five jobs, you could make ends meet. But so fortunately, a friend of mine suggested trying Audible's Pitch Portal. And uh, within about a month of submitting it there, I heard back from an editor who I think had spent most of her career and her husband had spent most of his career in media. So she could really relate to that feeling of kind of when is that axe going to fall on your neck? And so uh, she acquired it. And that was definitely like a big boost for me to think, okay, you can you can keep going. So you made this decision. Now you're really independent on your own. It can be very scary for a lot of people. Like you did some freelance, you were in the gig economy, but this is now, you're, it's just Liz. So were there ever moments where you had feelings of what, what the heck am I doing? I need to go get a more stable position. Absolutely. And I actually, I did take one, I guess it was maybe 2021, an offer kind of fell in my lap through LinkedIn to work as a communications manager for a fintech. So I accepted this job. And initially, again, it was great. I had a wonderful manager. And fast forward about five months, there was a complete reorganization. And I was moved to a global team. And I joke that I felt like every day I was walking into a foreign film and being asked to explain the plot midway through. And I just, (laughs) I was just never never quite caught up. Everything was shifting. People kept leaving that team. And I was laid off again. A third time is the charm. Last February. And that time, I have to say, within a few minutes of the call, I just thought, thank God, I'm I'm done and I'm mm-hmm. not going back to that ever again. Because it was just, you know, countless meetings, no real productivity. <laughs> and so for now, I'm just moving forward just completely on my own. And I think that last job was really the thing that solidified it for me. It's always interesting how you tap into something through a simple conversation. Mm -hmm. So she asked the question about what is your favorite course that you teach in memoir writing. And here she writes a memoir. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's like the path she took. One question tapped into that part of her where she's like, oh, I like writing. It just, it, it kicked off that journey for her, which I thought was so fascinating. And then she went back out into the workforce again. And the hilarity ensued. And she then, you know, realized I'm better off doing my own hustle than I am being in corporate. And so she has found that happiness within herself, which I certainly can appreciate because so have we. And she'll never go back into corporate. So thankfully, corporate laid her off the third time. And then she's <laughs> she's mm-hmm. like, and I'm done. Thank you. Good. Good for her. Kelly, as Liz was talking, I heard you say billable hours, which to your point, Liz, you know, like everything comes down to, am I going to bill for that hour? Am I not going to bill for that hour? (laughs) But that never going back to corporate, I know. Kelly and I talk about that a lot. It's definitely something you make a sacrifice for. 
in some ways you have the stability of, of the corporate job, but then you're also taking a lot of, yes, you're also having to endure a lot of endless meetings about what seems to be bullshit, you know, and things that just don't make sense. And there's a resiliency that I think comes from being able to say, I can weather the storm. I know what I'm capable of doing when you have a hustle mentality and you know that internally, I just have to have the drive and motivation within myself to be able to do it. So I wonder, given those those three opportunities that you've had to endure being laid off or having had lost a job, for someone who might be going through this for the very first time, it is a very humbling experience. What advice would you give for someone knowing what you've gone through and having survived that experience and lived through it now three times? I guess I would say be gentle with yourself because I think you have that tendency to just feel almost as if it's something you've done. And I think because companies are handling layoffs so poorly, people are blindsided. And so they don't have the closure to say, okay, this was a financial decision. So I would say just be gentle with yourself and take time to process it. And then I think it's good to almost try to set a time limit. Like I'm I'm going to wallow for two days and then I'm going to just move forward. I'm not going to take it personally. I'm going to move forward. And then my next bit of advice, I think it's it's hard to do, but I think if you can tell people, you know, you never know who knows someone else who needs your skill set. So I think for us initially, there was the embarrassment factor of like, okay, and not only is it one of us, it's both of us. Oh my gosh, like what's wrong with this couple? But as soon as we started to tell people, there were people who said, okay, give me your resume. I know somebody who needs a writer. So that was really wonderful to find. And so for me, I felt as if I was just applying to things willy nilly, but my husband has had much better luck taking the networking route, finding somebody who knows somebody and saying, can you please get my resume into so-and-so's hands? So I would say be gentle with yourself. And then once you're past that grace period you give yourself, just go full force into trying to network and, and even support groups. I know people who have gone and I think just to be surrounded by people in the same position, there is a bit of um, camaraderie and feeling less awful in the middle of a difficult period. That's such brilliant advice. And being kind with yourself is so important because it is very easy to take it out on yourself. And I think too, what Carrie and I have found is that as we talk to people who lose jobs, they often say it was probably one of the best decisions that ever happened because they were able to move on to something that was a better fit for them. They either got severance or something that allowed them some cushion to find something that allowed them to move forward with their life. Is there anything that you would change as a result of the stress that you went through before you you lost your job? Is there anything that you would go back and change if you could change anything at all? I think what I would do is probably follow my passion for creative writing earlier, because mm. I think I made a lot of excuses for myself. As we talked about, I think I always thought, okay, well, you don't have the time or you don't have the space. Or I used to think, okay, I need two hours of uninterrupted time. And now I've realized that is never going to happen. So sometimes I will be in the car if I have an idea scribbling on the back of, I mean, while I'm parked, scribbling on the back of a CVS receipt, not while I'm driving, but, or, you know, just 
typing notes into my phone or if I'm on a walk and I have an idea, I'll record a voice memo to myself. And so I think I would not have waited. If I knew what I know now, I would have said there's never going to be a better time. So just start today. Good for you. And and because of your willingness to tap into that side of yourself, you're now sharing your stories with the rest of us so we can all tap into that and understand and, and appreciate your writing as well. How many books have you officially published? Thank you. Well, my memoir, Sad Sack, is an audiobook, but it will come out in print next June, June of 2024. And then my young adult thriller, He'll Be Waiting, is available in paperback and audio. And then my adult thriller, The Perfect Neighborhood, is available in hardcover and audio. It was very exciting to hear the books turned into audio and to hear the way the narrators and just the talent of the cast bring bring those characters to life was such a, a joy and probably one of the most fun parts of, of the whole process. Mm, I can imagine. And the last question for you, Liz, is you have one minute with someone who is stuck and wants to break out. What do you tell them? Ooh, I would tell them just try as if you have nothing to lose. Because I think when you're stuck, you have this fear within you. I think it's fear that can be so paralyzing that you're going to make a wrong decision. Sometimes it's better to make a decision and then you can course correct as opposed to just standing still and doing nothing. And what I think is it's easier to kind of live with a struggle than it is to live with regret and to Mm -hmm. wish that you had done something that you hadn't done. So I would say just, you know, take a big leap forward. And if it doesn't work out, you'll always know that you tried as opposed to thinking, okay, I, I did nothing and I got nowhere. So I would say, don't waste any time. Just think about what, what it is you want and go for it. It's how you grow. It's how you learn. Exactly. It's how you grow. It's how you develop yourself. Um, as you said, you never really learn about yourself until you're willing to make some big leaps of faith. So I appreciate you sharing your story and being vulnerable with us. Because that vulnerability, I think, is what attaches people and helps people see that they are capable of doing the hard things, especially because losing a job can be very gut-wrenching. But there is life after losing a job. And you've just shared with us that there is. Absolutely. And I think that what's hard, too, is that so often we associate ourselves or we base our self-worth like sometimes I like I there I had gotten a message from someone who was just very upset and I said to him you have to think you know you were a father you're a husband you have so much else going for you you're don't let this one instance bring you down and I think that's important to remember too that we are more than what we do so well said So well said. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. And and thank you for sharing my story. Thank you, Liz. And thank you for uh, being sassy with some people who just assumed you were making Rice Krispies and your husband was getting a job. (laughs) So I really appreciate that. We need more sass. Thank you. That's Liz Alderman, author, journalist, and master of reinvention. And this is The Breakout. If this episode inspired you or made you think, give us a five-star rating and spread the word. It helps us reach more people who might just need these stories. And don't forget to subscribe to The Breakout so you never miss a new episode. And make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Breakout Pod. I'm Kelly Gunther. 
And I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. See you next time. 